Hi everyone, my name is Chad Kelly, and I will be your host today in our conversation with Trent Cyril. Today we're going to be talking about trade rebalancing an investment portfolio and its role and the effect it can have in asset management. Thanks for listening. Trent, welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining me again. Uh, we have another exciting topic. Um, today we're going to discuss rebalancing. This is a, a topic that we get we get a fair amount of questions on from clients, um, ranging everything from what is it to should I be doing it uh, myself? Is it something I should outsource? Um, but we do feel like rebalancing um, plays a, an in- integral part in someone's success as an investor. Um, you know, here at UMA Financial, we believe that you know in the modern portfolio theory, and that you know, your allocation is is going to be a big determining factor in you know, the risk you take and uh, the return you receive as an investor. Yeah, Chad, that's true. And there are a lot of approaches to investing, but we feel like this is the most prudent approach for our investors. And finding that right allocation is crucial. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about you know, why that allocation matters, how it fits into someone's financial plan, and why, why do we need to maintain an allocation? You know, why don't we just let the market run with someone's portfolio. Yeah, great topics. So, so to start off, on a, on a basic level, what is rebalancing? What does it consist of or what does it entail? Well, rebalancing uh, is an effort that one would go through to uh, realign their allocation to its original target. For example, somebody might decide to have a 50% stock and 50% bond allocation. Okay based on their risk level and time horizon. And uh, over time, that might drift, and so you rebalance back to that target. Okay. You know, you, as an investor, you always hear the saying, you want to buy low, sell high. How does, how does re- rebalancing reinforce that theory, I guess? Yeah, that's our goal, is to uh, uh, find profits in uh, the securities that have gone up in value over time. and. Uh, it's a little bit of a counterintuitive process because it um, requires you, when you're looking at an account, to sell securities that have gone up in value and still might have potential to go up more yeah. and uh, invest them in uh, asset classes or securities that have gone down in value. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it takes a little bit of the emotion out of timing the market and trying to always sell high and knowing when to buy low. Yeah, you know, one of the, one of the common questions we get is, you know, say I have a, a portfolio with uh, several different asset classes and if one of the asset classes is outperforming and clearly, you know, we think it's going to outperform for a, a length of time, why why would I want to pull the reins on that, you know, and uh, you know, to your point, um, you know, it it goes back to we had an original allocation in place. To main, in order to maintain that allocation, letting that asset class run could throw us off. Right? Yeah, it really can. In fact, a good example is if there was an investor back in 2008 who had decided that a 50-50 allocation was appropriate for them. Uh, based on uh, market circumstances since then, uh, their 50-50 allocation could easily be somewhere in the neighborhood of a 70-30 allocation or 75-25 allocation being very heavy in stocks right now. But, you know, you know and to play devil's advocate, you know, 
Isn't that a good thing? Well, it can be, but the market goes in cycles, as we know. And uh, we've had a uh, time period of almost 10 years now of market increases. So this is a very realistic situation for it is very the majority of investors. Very applicable right now. And uh, if their goals haven't changed and their risk tolerance hasn't changed, they are in a much riskier environment now, especially with the possibility of a market decline with their investment strategy. Yeah, so someone who said, I feel comfortable with a 50-50 allocation of stocks versus bonds 10 years ago. If if they still felt the same way they felt 10 years ago, they're not where they were. <laughs> their portfolio doesn't reflect that. No, it doesn't reflect that. And so it's going to be very sensitive to market conditions. So that when, when if the market return, or, you know downturns, they're going to take a much bigger swing down. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. So like, I don't know, if someone was saving for their kid's college you know, they how would this is a perfect example of someone saving for their for their child, right? It is because uh, you've got a definite time horizon, and um, maybe you set up a, an account uh, when the child's five, and uh, maybe you've got a uh, fifteen to twenty year time horizon for investing, and uh, they're going to need that money when they go to college, and uh, do not want it. Uh, to be sensitive to market changes at a time when they need it the most. So it could be wise as an investor to say, I want that portfolio to maintain the original allocation or even become more conservative as I get closer to needing that money for college. And Absolutely. If it's done the exact opposite, then there's a big market swing down. Suddenly you're going, oh, looks sure. like uh, Johnny's going to be picking up a job to get through college, right? Yeah, very well could be the case. And that's not too unlike someone who we might talk to about retirement investing in their 20s. Yeah. Uh, they may be uh, rather uh, aggressive and have the ability to embrace a lot of risk at that age, knowing they have a 40-year time frame. Yeah. But as they get closer to their retirement years, they're going to dial that down and be a little bit more conservative. Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, someone's career is just an exaggerated version of that college funding example that exactly. we described. Yeah. Sure. Perfect. So you know, one of the next questions we get is, Okay, I understand what rebalancing is. How frequently should I rebalance my portfolio? Well, this has been one of the most hotly debated and researched topics that I can remember over my career. There's been a lot of really smart people uh, spend a lot of time analyzing data and uh, in an effort to find the golden uh, frequency and um, uh, uh, bands that one might use in a rebalancing effort. And uh, basically there's two ways that uh, people can rebalance. So one is based on a time frame and the other one is based on uh, a tolerance of drift. Uh, the first being maybe you just rebalance once a year no matter what the market's done. Yeah. The second being you only do it when a particular asset class or security has drifted away from the target by a certain percentage or amount. Okay. So, I mean, here, what, what do we do here at UMA Financial? Yeah, here at uh, UMA Financial Services, uh, we have the ability through the programs and software that we use to be able to rebalance as often as is necessary. Now, we don't do it very often, actually. Yeah. But uh, we and, use and one of the, one of the reasons for that is you know, we try to be sensitive to uh, things like trading costs and yeah that, that's one of the biggest factors I guess absolutely right? yeah there there are three costs really associated with rebalancing uh, one being trading costs 
two being possible tax implications, and three being the time element involved with rebalancing. What, what, what do you mean by time elements? It could be quite intensive if an investor was trying to do the calculations on their own if they have a lot of holdings or positions. Now, if they just have two positions, uh, that can be pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, our software programs look at our accounts every day, and if they've exceeded the bands or the tolerances that we have in our target allocations, then it prompts us for a trade, and then we determine whether it makes sense or not for each client. Okay. Um, I, I guess uh, people often ask, you know, hey, I'm planning on making contributions to my account. Um, how how will that play into rebalancing? You know, will I will I be rebalancing more, less, the same if I'm actively contributing to it? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, contributions make rebalancing much easier uh, than um, other methods that might be used, and the reason is is because it's an infusion of cash, and you can use that cash to bring the target back into alignment without having to sell anything. Okay. And whenever you can avoid a sell, then you're avoiding a possible capital gain and a transaction cost. Um, so an actual rebalance because something's drifted out of tolerance would probably actually happen less frequently if you're actively contributing um, because that cash, like you said, just fills the buckets that are low. I guess, in the portfolio, so to speak. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, both that and uh, reinvested dividends or other uses of cash in an account can actually make rebalancing much easier. I guess the same could be done uh, for someone who says, I need to pull money out of my account. Um, you could use it to rebalance or get back to tolerance. Yeah, oftentimes we'll look and see if we can uh, harvest positions that are out of tolerance or out of bounds and uh, sell those to bring the account back into uh, the allocation. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, you mentioned one of the points or considerations when it comes to rebalancing is tax implications. You know, that we, this is something we try to be sensitive to. Um, part of the reason why we don't, uh, the software will, might prompt trades and we might decline to do those trades for tax reasons. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, uh, in a taxable account, every time you buy uh, a security and then later sell it, you could have either short or long-term capital gains or losses. And uh, in an effort to minimize the tax consequence for our clients, we're very careful about how often we're doing that selling. Um, we'll try to maybe uh, net transactions so that there's a minimal tax consequence to the client. Uh, or what, what, what might be the what might happen to someone who says I, I have a taxable account I'm not going to rebalance I'm just going to let it run and then essentially rebalance back to my original allocation all at once maybe 10 years from now or you know after the account has a bunch of gains in it well essentially they've let their account run so to speak and they're going to be pleasantly surprised by having hopefully pleasantly surprised by having a much greater value than they did when they started and when they uh, liquidate that account or a portion of that account, they're going to recognize a quite large gain. Yeah, they <laughs> they'll be surprised by the tax bill as yeah, well, right? they could be. Now, capital gains rates are uh, favorable to investors right now, and yeah. so um, 
It makes sense to do this on a strategic basis that makes sense for each client based on a particular tax bracket. That's also part of what we do here at UMA Financial Services is to make sure that we maximize uh, transactions uh, to minimize taxes based on one's circumstances. Yeah, in some cases we could be looking to offset some of the gains with losses in the account as we as we liquidate cash for investor needs. Sure, so absolutely. It, it can be it can be a little complex. It can be, and um, uh, uh, recognizing a loss isn't necessarily a bad thing either. Yeah. Uh, it's something that can be used on your taxes to offset gains in other places as well. So, we try to take a holistic view at each client's circumstances and make sure that we're doing what's best for them. Yeah, exactly. So, how how would uh what would be the tax consequences? I guess of you know, rebalancing a like an IRA, traditional IRA, or like a Roth IRA, or so, someone's four hundred one k. Yeah, actually, that's uh, a little bit easier in the respect that there is not necessarily a taxable event triggered upon the rebalancing. Uh, you really don't pay a tax on a retirement account like an IRA until you take distributions, yeah. and so you could technically rebalance a retirement account as often as you wanted to and uh, not have yearly tax consequences. The hope would be that uh, the money that you put in grows over time and then you would just pay ordinary income tax on that when yeah. you take a distribution. I guess it could be argued that you know staying on an exact allocation in a tax deferred account like that could be a little bit easier than a taxable account. There's a little more some more more moving parts in a taxable account, more there, considerations. There's no there's no doubt about it and um, for an individual investor wanting to do their own rebalancing, it would be a lot easier in that type of an account than it would be in a taxable account. They've got to have a lot more information at their disposal with a taxable account because of the tax consequences. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, this is one of the hotly debated topics in the finance world. I guess at the end of the day, does does rebalancing frequently or whenever an asset class breaches a band like you talked about, does it add any additional value? You know, would it just be simpler to say I I'm going to rebalance once a year and just simplify? Yeah, it does add incremental value, and uh, in fact, these studies have found that uh, most people will be fine if they look at an annual rebalancing um, goal, and uh, maybe tolerances or bands that are somewhere around five percent of their target allocation. Uh, the additional benefit beyond that is minimal. Uh, but this is one of the great values that we provide as a financial advisor and part of the value that comes with a relationship here with an advisor at UMA Financial Services in that uh, we can perform this uh, strategy on behalf of a client uh, without their having to be very involved. Yeah. And. Um, our strategy is more range-bound, and so let me just give you an example of that 50-50 portfolio. If a 50% stock portfolio increases in value to 55% of the portfolio, we're going to rebalance it back to 50%. If the stocks fall to 45% of the portfolio, we're going to sell bonds and buy more of the stocks at lower prices. Yeah, and, and this is this is something that we spend dozens and dozens of hours on, you know, like is an office each week, right? Between all the traders and thinking about and, you know, it, you know, someone can do it on their own, but most people, or most physicians say, I'm very busy as a physician in my spare time. I want to be 
doing the things I want to do. <laughs> and so You're right. for that reason, we find a lot of our clients, you know, they gladly outsource this to us. Absolutely. And um, uh, studies have found that, number one, most people don't know what rebalancing is. And number two, once they do find out what it is, it appears to be too complicated to do so they don't do it at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, perfect, Trent. This is, this is good. I think this uh, will help give a basic understanding for someone who, who doesn't know what rebalancing is, um, but maybe goes a little more in depth explaining, you know, how does UMA Financial do it? Yeah, yeah. And um, we've had a lot of practice at this over the years. We've always made this a part of our um, service when we have an investor client ask us to manage their account for them. And I think we're just going to get better at it over time. Yeah, absolutely. With, with advances in software and technology, we become more exact. Um, and I, I, think, I think this is a big win for clients. Absolutely. It, rebalancing has come a long way in the last you know, number of decades. I agree. Well, perfect. Well, thank you for joining me again. And uh, we'll catch you next time, Trent. Thank My you. pleasure. Thanks, Chad.